This podcast replay is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Check out the retail store in Miami Gardens at 5150 Northwest 167th Street. Plenty of cigar gear and a relaxing lounge. This is the Perdomo way. All right, there you are. How you doing, my man? Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I, I did stay through uh, through the game. I think it was my first time since... Uh, since Tebow played. So I don't even remember what 2010 or something like that. I mean, I was there. I remember, dude, every time he practice finished and he was walking off the field, I swear <laughs> to God, you remember it was like a hundred and 150 yeah. reporters surrounding his ass. Yeah, it was, it was a show. Oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah. When I saw your tweet and by the way, um, you, yeah, you got your Twitter there. You can follow Eric there on Twitter and catch his work there at nfl.com but i saw your tweet with the you know the lights now shut down and you take a picture of the field yeah. it was a cool picture by the way it was but you know like seeing it i was like damn dude hardcore you stayed all the way through that well, was strong i stayed through when i had to do the broadcast actually right yes exactly i was I, I thought you had mentioned before that you'd done that yeah i mean if you think that's hardcore wait till nfl combine time when, when you try to call me on uh you know the monday i have combine day and i say hey i'm still in indy so I've been, I've been, be we're going to be there I'll like be there. I didn't days. See you. I didn't see you at the senior bowl, but I'm going to track you down yes. at, at the, uh, at the combine for a drink. I'm hard to miss. Yeah. So I'll be easily okay. spotable. Yeah. 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 So we're going to, we're going to track you down. I got to treat you to a couple of drinks there. You're always so good. I appreciate uh, that on the show, man. I appreciate you as always. I'm looking forward to uh, a little combine action act actually. All right. Before I get into draft stuff, as you know, the uh, Vic Fangio has taken over, and yeah. as you know, uh, new coaches, new scheme, new changes come with it, and some demands. And then on the offensive side, uh, McDaniel wants that tight end that can be a two-way guy. Obviously, Gesicki will be finding another home because he wasn't the kind of guy that he really wants for his offense. On the defensive side, I think some of the things that change – they always needed to upgrade their linebackers as it is, especially that middle linebacker. But in this defense that Fangio's going to put, they need a badass middle linebacker. Yep. And I think Brandon Jones, who was improving his coverage last year, the thing is with Fangio, you have to be exceptional at coverage. Okay. And the other guy's already exceptional at coverage. So I think they might go for a cover safety also. So let's talk about a couple of those positions, including running back tight end, safety, linebacker. Talk to me. Let's start with safety. Yep. Did you see anything that fits in the senior bowl? Uh, the Sidney Brown kid from Illinois was kind of interesting, but you tell me. He was, absolutely. Sidney Brown, you know, I think with each passing day, uh, his brother Chase had a kind of a rough first practice. Uh, he's a running back, and, and his brother Sidney, I think most of the season at Illinois kind of kind of stood in his shadow, a couple of Canadian kids too. I know the CFL at one point was hoping those guys might slip through the cracks. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. But, yeah, Sidney Brown, I just felt like as the week went on, uh, you know, you, you you started to see the more things you can do with him. I think you could probably play him, uh, you know, over tight ends and backs and, and have him, you know, cover those players. Not, not long to the point where you say, oh, yeah, I, you know, absolutely could see him as against the tight end in every single situation. But he's a little short. You know, he's 5'10 or whatever yeah. he is. Uh, but he's got a thick build, really well sculpted. I thought, you know, he looked like a little little uh, tank as a safety there and moved very well. So, yeah, he was one that stood out. 
Kayvon Merriweather is, is a good player. I'm trying to think of other guys who, you know, kind of have that, that, that look, the, the kid from Cal by the end of the week, and I'm just blanking on his name right now. I'm, <laughs> I can't believe it, but, uh, um, I thought he really kind of stood up as the week went on and had a couple plays in the game itself, which, which still matters. I know everyone says the practices are, are the goods there, but, um, you know, overall this year, I think it's a pretty good safety class. I wouldn't say it's an amazing one, but for the first year in, in recent memories, I feel like we can maybe go six, seven, eight deep at that position and, and feel like you might get a, a starting caliber player at that position. Is there anybody in the draft that kind of fits that, that mold that Fangio's looking for, the guy that can do it all? Cause you've got to be really good coverage, uh, cover safety besides run support. Yeah, somebody who may you know you may want to check out is is Ronnie Hickman in Ohio State. I think the size is it meets what Fangio would look for, uh, kind of the diversity of roles that you know the hats he wore at Ohio State. You know, kind of did a, a number of different things there. Just a really solid all around player. I don't think has any glaring weaknesses, at least what I've seen so far. I haven't talked to a ton of people about him, but you know, I think about him. Christopher Smith's a little on the undersi- uh, undersized side. Um, if you go in really rich at the position, I know they have limited draft picks. Brian Branch at Alabama, I think could be a, a terrific safety hybrid player slot outside corner if you need him to, you know, I mean, but that's probably above where, where Miami currently sits. Okay. Uh, linebacker, uh, for me personally, the Dan Henley kid yeah. from Washington state. He he's I I wasn't fixated on practice as much as normal, dude. This was the first time I was back in three years, uh-huh. so I was kind of I was kind of catching up with people that I would run into, and I yep. did a lot of talking. But uh, I thought when I would look, that was one of those guys that would flash to me at times. So talk to me because a linebacker again, they need a guy in the middle that can run and do all. You know you know what Fangio does. Sure, so I don't need to tell you. Yeah, and right. I mean, obviously, we you know, there's there's still, I guess, hope for for Channing Tyndall to to develop, and he right. was a player who you know obviously could could flourish in a different scheme with a little more time. It sounded like maybe terminology uh, caught up to him a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I I thought Henley was was one of the winners of the week, and you know, some of my uh, NFL uh, cohorts like Daniel Jeremiah felt the same, and um, you know, I was impressed with his his energy too. I it, it was just something that kind of stood out to me watching him the first day of practice he'd be on the sideline really encouraging his teammates and helping guys get lined up first of all it it was a credit to him for knowing you know where they needed to be and stuff and he he was that was one of the first things I noticed and then as the 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 week went on you could see him really uh, feeling well you know being in a position to make a play Uh, you know I, I would say meeting the ball is his biggest trait you know he takes really good angles to the ball and gets there fast um, he, he's a fascinating player that I probably, you know, there were about eight or 10 guys that I came out of the week thinking I need to go back and watch him a little bit more. I was aware of him, but I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about him uh, and came away feeling like, you know, he moves pretty well. Uh, coverage is still something I want to see a little bit more of, uh, in terms of tape work, but yeah, I would say Henley really caught my eye a little bit and I've, I've maybe moved him up a little. Anybody else is Henley's the kind of guy that could be there. What in the third round, right? He could. Yeah, he could. I would say top hundred is, is I, this is me guessing a little rounders. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of in the, uh, whether it's the, you know, maybe the, the Patriots pick or even the Miami's, uh, I think is, is a little bit after that, their selection, 
So, yeah, I would say with one of those choices, that position would be well represented and Henley would probably still be uh, a reasonable option there. And, and, and any guy in the draft that you like that kind of fits the mold of the middle linebacker? Yeah, uh, the Alabama kid who opted out of the Senior Bowl, Henry To'o To'o, I thought, you know, Tennessee transfer came to Alabama, you know, Nick Saban kind of gave him the red dot right away and, and sort of had him run the show a little bit. I think there are athletic concerns. Like, I don't think he's as gifted an athlete as Channing Tindall, but I think he might be a better and more refined football player at this point. Um, you know, it's sort of apples to oranges in a little bit, but I... I his instincts are really good. Uh, I think better going forward than in than in coverage, but isn't a, a lost cause by any means. But he's somebody who, in that you know second third round range, I, I think could could intrigue somebody like like uh, Fangio. By the way, Daniel Scott's the kid you were thinking about. Daniel from, Scott, uh, thank yeah. you. God, I just could not think of his name. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you like so you like him at at, at strong safety. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what he is. I mean, could he play the post maybe, you know? Um, and I, I think the range is good. Uh, he's obviously got a little bit of length to him too. He really showed up and, and had some instinctive plays in the game itself. Um, he was a little quiet in practice early in the week, or at least I didn't notice him standing out. But but another player that I would put on that, you know, kind of be kind, rewind. Like I need to see a little bit more of him before I stamp any kind of uh, final determination on him. All right. Uh, this one's kind of an odd question. It's running back. And I, I love the Spears kid I saw from Tulane. I think sure. every, all of us liked him as, as, as the week went on, we, you know, you, you thought more of him, but the problem I have is, and you know, this Chris Greer has a history of, they don't invest high picks in running backs. Yeah. They don't invest big money in, you know, I've had fans tell me, Hey, they should go after Saquon. They're not going to do that, dude. Right. They got to re-sign Sealer. They got to re-sign Wilkins, first of all, all these. And, and they've got to move some money around. They're not going to go bring in a free agent running back. Their thing has kind of been an under-the-radar. And I think they're still going to bring Mostert and Wilson back because they kind of were a pretty good duo for them overall. But if they would go for a back, you know, Miles Gaskin was late. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, the, the kid that's bounced around all over the place in the third round from Alabama. I'm forgetting that. Um, anyway, um, yeah. you know, uh, he, I think, wasn't he in Arizona now and, and is getting, no, not Arizona. Oh, you're the thinking Kenyon, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yes. Kenyon Drake. So, so the history under Greer has been that they're not gonna. So now, you know, Eric, I need you to kind of focus on something that's, I guess lesser than third round, third round worst best case scenario to later on in the draft. And they only have a couple of more picks. So did you see a guy that you would invest in, in the senior bowl that is going to be in the later to mid Brown picks or give me another name in free agency? Yeah. Good question. I think the good news is that the free agency class looks pretty loaded. So like you said, it's a position where, you know, maybe a, a couple of guys tend to get paid, right? I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with Barkley and, you know, Pollard and Josh Jacobs and whatever, but, you know, even Miles Sanders for that matter. But, I mean, you could still kind of go down the list and and there's, I don't know, almost like a dozen guys that who maybe they're not standalone starters, but how many teams have those anymore? Right? Not many. I mean, they, they're usually shared positions. So there are at least half a dozen free agents, so I think – you know, can offer some kind of value there. So 
some of them will slip through the cracks. And I think that kind of also applies to the draft too, as we, you know, as we sit here, you know, two plus months away from, from draft day, you know, I'm uh, Bijan will probably go in round one. Jameer Gibbs will probably be a top 40 pick. You know, uh, the A&M kid will, will, will really run well, I think, and, and go high, maybe in that James Cook kind of second round range. But, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, you know, Kendra Miller from TCU, was banged up, didn't play in the national title game, but he's kind of a bigger back with some some interesting feet. Roshan Johnson, who was down at the the Senior Bowl too, Bijan Robinson's backup at Texas, who offers a ton of special teams value. I think he's going to be really good in that respect. Uh, has some size. I mean, he's a good, thickly built kid who I think he's got some nice feet and vision as well. Runs hard, runs downhill. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of his and think he could be. Uh, exploited well uh, in, in more of a feature role than he saw in college where, you know, if he was lucky, he got a dozen carries in the game, more likely, you know, seven to 10 or something like that. So, yeah, it really is, it, it is a fascinating class. You mentioned Spears, uh, Kenny McIntosh. I didn't think he had the greatest week down there, at least coming in with expectations like he did. But, you know, he and Eric Gray are, are both uh, good senior bowl running backs, so I think could be available on day three. Or, you know, at least Gray might be. Um, there, there's some options. I really think if you include the underclassmen, Zach Charbonnet, Sean Tucker from, from Syracuse, uh, Tank Bigsby I like from Auburn. I mean, they're, they're – Izzy Abaconda uh, from Pittsburgh I think is getting slept on a little bit as a, as a kind of a thickly built guy. So – you know, they're there. This is a pretty good running back class this year, and it was a good group in Mobile. It's so devalued, it's the most interchangeable position in all of pro sports. Like, mama, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs, bro. Put I know it's cycling back in, though. I do feel like we're, we're trending in the right direction for the run game, uh, appreciators out there, but you're right, it's it's still one of those positions where. If you get one more than more than one payday, good for you. I mean, that's right. that's, that's that's hard to do. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a two contract guy, you mm -hmm. are super blessed. Yep, that's it. Super blessed if you're a two contract guy, uh, and very few because I've had GMs that tell me, you know, I'd rather go in the middle late rounds. Yeah, I'll keep them for four or five years. Yep, and then I can move on and get the next guy and the next guy, and I could just keep it more interchangeable than me having to tie a lot of money to a position that takes a lot of pounding yeah and so that that's you know I, and look i can understand the, yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off look how oh, the ravens and and patriots and other teams have done it where they've drafted backs in the third fourth fifth round range used them well let them go in for agency they get the comp pick on the back end i mean it's like you're, it's almost a free investment in some respects so yeah i think a lot of teams will take that approach all right, now let's get to the the most unrealistic position sometimes with folks out there, because and I, and I always get into it with my man Omar Kelly all the time because he's like, well, no, you know, Gesicki doesn't block, and and I'm like, okay, well, eighty five percent of the damn tight ends in the NFL can't block, it's true, and usually most of the great pass catchers aren't really blockers, bro. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, and. I know that that's kind of been the knock here for the for the for the last year with McDaniel and even with Flo, he didn't even use Gesicki as much either because he wanted a little more two way out of his guy too. <laughs> but the reality is, I didn't see anybody. I at least I don't think I saw anybody in the Senior Bowl that I looked at a tight end and said, "Wow, 
Great pass catcher, great blocker. Yeah, they grow on trees. No, they don't. <laughs> so, so walk us through here. I can't give you a name I saw in the senior bowl. If you did see one, please tell me. But what what guy or two or th- is there even three in the draft that you would say this fits what Mike McDaniel and Shanahan and these kind of cats want a right. full two way tight end? Who's that? Yeah. I'll disagree slightly with you, but I get the sentiment of what you're saying. And I think you're, you're at least on the right track. There may not be a Luke Musgrave came into the week with a lot of hype. The Oregon state kid who only played two games last year. He's not going to end up in Miami. He's going to go too high most likely. And he's too much like Gusecki. I think there, there, there will be a team out there that says we could use that. You know, there's some, some, downfield ability some jump ball ability I I see a little Dallas Goddard in him maybe not quite as smooth a little a little clunkier at times but boy I mean he can he can really stretch out and get the ball if there's somebody who fits the mold of what you didn't see down there that I saw Payne Durham by the end of the week the the Purdue kid I thought was starting to look spectacular early in the week didn't notice him as much you know felt like he was kind of getting his sea legs underneath him a little bit He's a, he's a pretty big kid. I mean, he's, you know, he's played in the, in the 260 pound range, but boy, watching him move and kind of contort his body and adjust to off target throws a few times Thursday's practice, especially. And then early in the game as well. I mean, he made a couple, or I guess maybe the one catch was in the second half, but I, that's a player that I, that I'm fascinated to kind of drill down on a little bit more because didn't play football until his senior year of high school, Call him a late bloomer if you want to. I think that's fair. They did have a pretty good quarterback situation there as Aiden O'Connell had a nice uh, year for for Purdue, nice couple years, I guess. Um, so he's one that that may fit that role. And and you feisty like, you is, like his blocking or during, feisty during and, and competitive as a blocker. I, I think there's some work to be done. I didn't mean to again, didn't mean to step on you there, but no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, he's got the frame and the temperament, I think, to be effective. You know, we saw George Kittle, for instance, if you want to use a you know, Shanahan tree tight end in college as a guy who, you know, gave this wild effort as a blocker. And sometimes it was terrific. And sometimes it was less than terrific. And he was hurt a lot too. So it's hard to really make a, a judgment. I'm not saying he's going to turn into George Kittle, but I at least see some, some role similarities to what the two of them did. I don't pain Durham doesn't have the yak ability of, of Kittle, but in terms of how they employ him uh, as a blocker and then also as a receiver, there's at least some overlap there, I think. Yeah, okay. But that's my point. Like, there's only a yeah. few of those in the NFL. Like, like, every team doesn't have one. There's like five, six, seven guys maybe in the NFL that can legitimately, you can say, oh, this guy's a hell of a pass catcher and a hell of a blocker. That's right. really tough. So is there somebody in the draft? And here's where I think that one second rounder or those two third rounders I'm almost pretty sure they're going if the, if there's one that's the thing. I haven't really dealt, you know, I haven't uh, delved too much into the draft yet. Right. Is there a guy that is going to go in that area that you say Eric, this is a guy that can definitely become a two-way guy that Mike McDaniel will love to use. Here's how I view the tight end position right now. We mentioned Musgrave, he could be a first round pick, so that's obviously out of the picture. Of the the only two I would say high round dual threat guys, blockers, receivers 
are Michael Mayer, Notre Dame, uh, and probably Darnell Washington, Georgia, both also probably going to be out of the picture for that. I think Dalton Kincaid will probably rise to that level. He's more receiver than, than blocker at this point. So those four, I think, are off the board. Could we could we see Tucker Craft, a kid from South Dakota State, possibly enter that that range? Maybe. Um, Luke Schoonmaker, I like him more than other people. The Michigan kid, he was out at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, you know, I don't think he finished the week. I, I don't know if he had an injury or something. I have to check on that. But I don't think he played in the game. If he did, I didn't see him, to be totally honest. Uh, but but he's one I really like. And the more I've watched him, the more I appreciate him as a potential dual threat guy. He's got enough length. He can put on a little weight, too, and strength. And I think he'd get better at blocking. But good player. Um, he would maybe be a little bit lower than that. Sam Laporta uh, has some receiving chops. They 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 stress the blocking aspect there too. A kid at Iowa, um, some you know, Daniel Jeremiah mentioned Davis Allen at Clemson. I thought he was really quiet at the Senior Bowl, but uh, somebody who I think NFL scouts have some intrigue with. And like you pointed out, it's a, it's a really tough position. It's a slow developing position in the NFL. If you're expecting immediate returns. I think you might be disappointed more often than not. It's just one of those spots where you often pick up a player who was a, you know, let's say day two pick or something like that. Didn't work out in his first spot, ends up in free agency and, and, and finds a role a little bit, almost like uh, Tyler Conklin with Minnesota a couple years ago, or, you know, people like that, where you say it, it's just kind of a, a slow boil to get where they're at. And that's why, even with a good class this year, I don't know that there are more than a handful of immediate contributors. And by the way, um, I'm on. I think Gesicki's going to have a phenomenal career. I do too. Uh, yeah. When he go, he'll find a place now that will use him like a receiver, like yeah. what he is. And if you use him in that in that way, I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Wherever he goes next, I think for the fantasy players out there. I think he's going to be one of the better fantasy tight ends next year. He could have a 10 touchdown season. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, he's already had a couple, you know, big ones. So, yeah, I'm with you there. One more thing before I let you go. Tyndall, what did you think of him? Because obviously he didn't play a lot this, he didn't play much at all this year. But, right. Uh, and I know fans are disappointed. I'm not one of those guys. I don't like quitting on, on guys early on, especially when they're good dudes and they work hard and all that. Uh, you know, if the guy's a clown and he's, you know, whatever, then you can't count on his maturity to be a professional then that's always going to be an issue but uh this kid looks like a good kid a hard worker what did you like about him and how do you think he fits now with what a fangio is going to do yeah i mean you know he's played extensively on special teams from what i saw or at least you know uh, on on multiple units there um you know we heard the talk that that maybe the 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 either the scheme or the terminology and just maybe the speed of things kind of held him back a little bit. And obviously, as you alluded to, I mean, entering his senior season at Georgia, he was considered kind of a fringe, maybe, maybe, maybe draftable player, but really didn't emerge till his final year. And, you know, even then it was without the benefit of starting. I mean, he had to be, he was in probably the most talented linebacker room in the country or, you know, them in Ohio state uh, in 2021. So, it was a projection to begin with, but it was based on very, very promising athletic traits. And like you said, passed a lot of the character tests. I, people felt like this is a kid you can win with. You know, he's he's selfless and he's going to do whatever it takes. 
Uh, he's got some passion on the football field. I mean, his pursuitability, I mean, his motor was really strong. But yeah, you could also see some of the holes in his game and, and why it took him a little longer to develop. So I think once the mental part, once he starts kind of, you know, reacting and not thinking and all that, I mean, that's going to be big. But we know a scheme change is coming. So does that hold him back? I don't know. Um, you know, Vic, obviously, I'm here in Chicago. And when, when he arrived, I mean, he was such a big part of what Matt Nagy needed right away. They had a talented defense, but Vic really kind of brought it all together and made it a, a unit that in some ways carried that team this first year into the playoffs. Um, they had, obviously, guys like Roquan Smith go right from college, right from Georgia, in fact, step right, right. in and, and be a rookie contributor. But he also had a, a veteran next to him in Danny Trevathan. I believe it was Trevathan that year who really made a difference. So it's possible that Vic either dips into a veteran option that he's had before to kind of be the, you know, the, the surrogate, if you will, you know, the, the, the chaperone uh, for, for a young linebacker like that, they could draft one as we talked about, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's a, a guy closer to the end of his career than the beginning who ends up being maybe the, the cheaper veteran addition because of his smarts and because of, you know, his two down run stopping ability or whatever. And that wouldn't shock me if, if, if they end up appeasing Vic with, with that type of player. Oh, uh, by the way, Hunter long a waste now, right? I liked him coming out. too. <laughs> he no, made no, some but, wild but, catches. No, no, but wait a minute. Just... But wait a minute in this offense. Yeah. Because remember they drafted him in the Flores era because I think he's a Flores guy actually. Yeah. And, 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 and then, <clears throat> You know, McDaniel takes over. It's not the kid's fault. I'm not saying right. it's a waste for them now because, again, dude, when you switch schemes, it doesn't mean the player is bad. It just means he's a bad fit here. It doesn't mean he can't fit somewhere else. Yep. So what's Hunter Long's future, dude? Yeah, I think tight end and offensive line are, are tricky. Running back, I guess, could could too be, depending on the scheme, right? Like you say, he's just not made for what we do. He's good. You know, it's like you said with Gusecki too. I mean, I, you know, could he could he make the team as a as a third tight end or something and 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 provide some some depth and contribute a little on special teams? I suppose so. But yeah, maybe that's the kind of player who gets moved during the draft. During day two of the draft, maybe during training camp, preseason that era. I mean, I you know that's the kind of player that I think some other GMs will be kind of sniffing around and saying, "We liked him coming out. Doesn't seem like a fit in Miami. Maybe maybe we can pry him loose." What's uh, what's the next concert? Ah, good question. Boy, that that is a. I don't know that I have anything on the books. Is that sad? Am I getting old? Is this what is this what old feels like? I don't know, but. Yeah, I got two kids and a birthday coming up in the combine, so I've got my February and March are all of a sudden slammed. So I'll have to, I'll have to figure that one out. I I tried to see some music in Mobile. There wasn't anything scheduled. No, there was nothing, bro. Nothing. Every stink, dude. Every stinking year I go there, and I've been going for over twenty years. I know. I think it's been twice that, and once was Billy Idol, and I had to drive to New Orleans oh. for the House of Blues. Yeah. So, you know, it's a two-hour drive. Right. So, you know, I said, all right, what the hell? And rarely, you know, you're hoping there's something in Pensacola. Oh, I did. I saw Steve Harris's band in Pensacola. Oh, okay. That was the other one. I caught. Cool. Yeah. Which yeah, no, cool. I mean, when you, you get anything nearby, you feel you feel blessed. I was just shocked that they didn't have any bands. You'd think during Senior Bowl week at night, they'd, you know, somebody would be coming through. But my my best mobile show, I think, was the drive-by truckers at that little uh, 
that little dive bar there in the middle of uh, like on Dauphin Street or, or whatever downtown. Garage? <sighs> Not the garage. I, I, I can almost come up with the name of it, but dingy little club. They, they have about maybe two shows a week or something. I don't I don't see a lot on their schedule, but uh, I'll have to I'll have to think of the name and, and get back to you. It's like the uh, like the guy I was trying to think of earlier. I just couldn't Cal Safety. I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> By the way, uh, I got tickets for Metallica in Quebec. Oh, in Quebec. All right, man. I love well, it. Yeah. Well, you, you know, Metallica's got that tour of two nights, no repeats. Yes. And right. you know so, where they were inspired by? Hey, go look up at the Metallica Fish video. They're commenting on the fish. This would have been back in like 2017. Fish played a residency at MSG, played 13 shows in like a 15-day span, and they didn't repeat a single song throughout the tour. And like right. Lars and those guys are reading about it and there's a video and they're going, how do you even do that? Right. And now obviously they're, I think they're trying their best uh, to, to do the Metallica version of it, which I love. I think it's great. I, I, I was here at the concert here uh, where they did the 83, 84 albums only, you the know, so era, it was right? awesome. And, and ride the lightning is my favorite album. That's anyways. my favorite. Yeah. That's, that's the second, that's the second album. And so yep. it was kill them, kill them all and, and ride the lightning. And it was just free. Cause it was in honor of the record owners. Uh, I forgot the name, their names. Yeah. Where they originally started with them. So it was, it was ah, one of those cool. concerts and then they started doing this. And so one night Pantera and mammoth are opening up. Oh, man. And then the other, that, and then the other night is five finger death punch and ice nine kills opening up. So you get, <laughs> you get the two sets two different songs and then you oh, get the, the opening act so that's gonna that's gonna be cool by the way i bought the same tickets for mexico city in september of 2024 oh beautiful you are yeah, set greta, up man. Greta, I think you're greta's in... opening up for that one oh uh, nice yeah, yeah greta and mammoth i'm a big greta fan so i think like i think you'll be treated well man i think that's gonna be an, a tasty uh evening right there dude i've been dying to go to a metal concert in central south america because uh, every time i see them on youtube it's like the passion in those concerts oh my are just, yeah. Rush in Rio is, I know it's not metal, right? But if you go watch the Rush in Rio video, like those people yeah. are going crazy for, for two yeah. and a half, three hours. Unreal. It's awesome. It's pretty awesome. All right. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Ed home. Catch his work there at NFL Network. Eric, as always, very generous with your time. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you immensely. All right. Have a great day, man. See ya. I'll see you at the combine, bro. There you go. All right, looking forward to the combine and seeing Eric there. Good stuff. As always, we like Eric. And uh, he was at Yahoo, and now he's at uh, NFL Network. So there you go.